this season. Tonight, he showed the world what he could do. My God, a break. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, guys, welcome to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Future Freshman Podcast. This week, I was able to uh, head to Chapel Hill. Of course, you saw the spring game report. I was able to visit um, the UNC spring game, uh, and I was able to get an interview in with Don Callahan from uh, Inside Carolina. And I was also able to kind of sit down with Corey Smith, who's the editor there at Pack Pride, and, and they both work for 24-7 Sports, and kind of get both of their takes on who are they liking this season for both the NC State Wolfpack and the North Carolina Tar Heels here in the ACC and seeing uh, who might stand out, maybe if there's a freshman or a recruit that's coming in next year that they can really see breaking out and who you should kind of focus on as we move into the uh, new year. Uh, both of them have uh, some experience in fantasy as well. Um, so it's good to have their perspective, but see a recruiting perspective as well and seeing uh, like a full picture type situation. So that's what I wanted to bring to you guys today. Um, and kind of when you listen in uh, and kind of watching the video and stuff like that, I wanted you to kind of focus on the key takeaways there. So you're not only, you know, prepared here come redraft, but also for dynasty, if there's a guy that you need to pick up trade for, um, you know, cause we want to do the full spectrum, not just the freshmen all the time, but I did want to add, you know, a few of the freshmen in the incoming uh, recruiting class and stuff like that coming in, just so we did have a take on the future freshman podcast as well. So um, the first one's going to be a Don Callahan. Uh, once again, sorry for the shaky one. It was a windy day at Don's uh, daughter be able to record. So thank you, uh, Don's daughter, for holding the camera for us and doing that as well. Uh, so if you are watching, that's why it's a little shaky. Um, but we, you know, the other one with Corey Smith was, you know, done just by recording and stuff like that. So but you'll be able to hear both of them. Uh, so if you are listening, you'll be able to hear both on the audio. If you're watching here on YouTube, uh, like I said, a little bit shaky in the first interview. But other than that, uh, you know, it was a really fun time. Got a lot of great key points and stuff like that that you guys are really going to like. So just kind of sit back, listen or watch. And uh, we'll at the end of this segment, we'll have a uh, big fish, small pond for you guys. So that way we end off strong. Uh, you guys enjoy the video and you guys have a blessed week. Hey, guys, welcome to the Future Freshman Podcast. Um, cool day today. We're at the spring game here, 2022 in North Carolina here at Kingdom Memorial Stadium. I'm joined by Don Callahan here of Inside Carolina 24-7 Sports. Welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, you've had a little bit of experience uh, in the fantasy football world. I believe you are yeah. a former champion of CFF, if I'm not mistaken, when I was under a Umbrella Maybe, I can't time. remember, that was a couple of seasons ago. It but. was, but uh, he, Don is uh, crafted in both fantasy and as well as in the pretty field. Uh, Don, just give him a little quick synopsis of what you do for uh, 24-7 in South Carolina and some of your duties that you do on a daily basis. I mean, for the most part, my title is uh, football uh, recruiting analyst, but I mean, that's basically whoever North Carolina is recruiting, I'm following, trying to figure out where they're going, uh, evaluations of those guys. I'm always talking to recruits, always going to 7-on-7s, always going to games, uh, watching a whole lot of film. Um, I mean, basically from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, it's a whole lot of football for me. That's not a bad thing, especially if you're uh, if you love it as well. Um, so today, we're there's a lot of questions that are coming into the season. There's a lot of few position battles that are going to happen here, basically, mm -hmm. especially through the spring and summer. Um, well, there's a lot that holds weight in the identity of the team. So what are the, some of the positions that you're probably most excited for as far as developing as we're going here into the spring game and moving forward into the summertime? 
Well, I think the obvious one, the easy one, is, is the quarterback situation Correct. with Drake May and yeah. Jacoby Bris, uh, uh, Priswell. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, there's a couple other guys in there also, but it comes down to those two guys. So that's what I'm most interested in. You know, I, I haven't been to any practices. My, my counterparts have been, but from it's, what it seems like, it's, it's pretty neck and neck. But maybe Drake May has a little bit of an edge in that department. Yeah. Other than that, you want to look at running backs. You know, exactly. um, I know we're going to talk about freshmen here. George yes. Petaway is a guy who, if you're on Twitter, you've seen some of his highlights have kind of leaked out of just some of uh, his, his runs that he's had. Yeah. Um, Andre Green's not on campus yet, right. but he's a guy I'm really curious to see what sort of playing time he gets this fall. Um, so those are the main ones. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in your thoughts of uh, the 2022 class as far as uh, such a huge rank 11th nationally, mm -hmm. of course we're second in the ACC behind uh, certain teams. Uh, who do you think could show production in year one? So would it be a guy like a George Petaway or once Green comes on campus, do you think he could secure a little wide receiver too? I do hear things about guys stepping up like a J.J. Jones and a British Brooks who seems to have a good grasp yeah. on the running back position. What's your thoughts on a freshman playing year one and actually doing a good job this year for Carolina? So statistically speaking, freshmen don't make as much of an impact as people think. Right. A lot of that is they don't have the, the training, you know, the high school uh, you know, strength and conditioning is not on par with college at all, even at the, at the best high schools. And then you, a lot of the guys that they're competing against have, have multiple years in those systems, so they have it a little bit of an edge. An opportunity may not necessarily be there if you're behind a starter or a two-year starter. I mean, you the odds are, are stacked against you hugely. Uh, but the two guys I mentioned, George Petaway, and also Andre Green, they step into situations where there is a little bit of opportunity. Yes, yes there are upperclassmen who are ahead of them who have been in a college football strength and conditioning yes, program. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, George Petaway has shown in, in some of the clips on Twitter that, uh, you know, that, that he definitely should get on the field. How much, you know, is, is to be seen. Right. Um, so going back, uh, not last year, but the year before, uh, Coach Longo, you know, did a system of running backs where we had Javante Williams and, of course, Michael Carter, both NFL starters now as well. Last year we saw the transfer of Ty Chandler, who took on the leadership role yeah. immediately, which is a rare occasion here at Carolina for sure. So do you think uh, Coach Longo would want to go back into a two-system back to have, like, a guy like a British Brooks, a bigger back first, and George Pettaway as, like, the speed back situation? Or do you think they're looking for more of a bell cow type situation? Or is that just not a thing anymore? When it comes to yeah, I think... I think most you want to get a rotation going because you, you want fresh legs. That's a position you're always getting beat up on every single play when you touch the ball. So you want fresh legs. I think the players would dictate whether that's a two-back rotation or a three-back rotation. I think British Books didn't come back to sit on the bench. So I think he's a guy who's going to be out there for sure. And then you have a guy like Caleb Hood who was playing early on last season as a true freshman, got injured and then ended up burning his red shirt even though that wasn't completely necessary. So I think you got to think that he's a guy who could get, get on the field. We mentioned George Petaway. I think he's in the conversation. And there's guys like DJ, jo DJ Jones and also Elijah Green, who uh, Coach Matt Brown spoke highly of in his press conference the other day. So there's definitely some names. And it's just a matter of how many of those, is it two or is it three, that just step up and just basically make it impossible for UNC to keep them off the field. From what I'm hearing, uh, you know, whether it's Tarto Illustrated or just people, you know, talking stuff like that, there's over seven backs, so mm -hmm. there's got to be where we might see some people transfer out and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think we keep four? Do we keep five backs? What does Coach Brown usually well, I think Brown, do for the most part? Brown wants to keep all of them if he can, right. but the nature of it is that 
besides Bruce Brooks, the majority of those guys are are sophomores or younger. Right. So if you fall back pretty deep in this depth chart, the odds of you surpassing those guys next year or the, or the year after are not very good. So if, you, if, if your goal is to get on the field, to put together an NFL resume, then yeah, I mean, transferring is going to happen. And a lot of that depends on how many guys end up playing and, and what kind of transpires during the season. All right, so you're the guy that told me about Justin Olson. Maybe he took an extra year from the time that we talked about it, but he did make yeah. his way on the field, right? He did. We do have Antoine Green, the super senior, coming mm -hmm. back to play. So I'm assuming that he'll probably get a lot of reps, along with our, our buddy Josh Downs, who's our wide receiver one here in North Carolina. Uh, who do you see possibly standing out? Is it a guy like J.J. Jones, or could we see a guy like an Andre Green Jr. finally jump up in this mix? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but yeah. what's your thought process on the depth chart before we see spring game and summer come along? I'm a big fan of J.J. Uh, Jones. He played in a system in high school that was a pass-heavy system at, at Murder Beach High School. Big, tall guy. He's exactly what UNC wants. Vertical threat. Andre Green, as I mentioned, didn't get in in the spring. I think that puts him a little bit behind. It's going to make it difficult for him. But um, you know, maybe J.J. Jones is the guy early. The thing with J.J. was last year, he didn't play in the very beginning and kind of worked his way on. I can see that sort of playing out for Andre Green. Maybe Green starts to play a little bit sooner in the season than what um, uh, JJ did last season. Um, but I think you always got to, if, if you're looking at this from a, a probability standpoint, you always got to favor the upperclassmen. Absolutely. Um, so, what are going to be your big takeaways from the game today, watching the spring game? What are you looking forward to as far as like reporting and analysts and stuff like that? What are some of the key takeaways that you're trying to bring, you know, with the spring game today? I mean, I'm going to focus on the younger guys to see which ones kind of stand out, make plays, um, that sort of thing. It's so hard because not everybody is going to play, and you're playing against your teammates, and so it's like Mac Brown said the other day. It's like, well, if the if the running game looks good, then you're kind of mad at the, at the defense. If the, if the running game looks bad, then you're mad at the offensive line and the running back. So it's such a hard thing to kind of take too much from. So you're just looking for big plays and to see who's, who's making an impact and maybe has taken a step up from what they looked like from, from last year. And then also the freshmen to see how they have adjusted, you know, where they're playing at, who they're playing with, and, and, and how they're kind of feeling in, in the um, you know, college game. I definitely see that. We're definitely looking forward to QB battle, the RB battle, special wide receiver, just to see how these guys are kind of playing out and things like that in particular. Um, so the 2023 class that's coming up, I know you're already you know, right in the mix of it. I see you know, retweeting the post with the guys that are coming to visit, things like that as well. Uh, so you know, we're already 54th. We have Tad Hudson, the four-star from Cornelius. Uh, so he's already there. We're already in the national scene as well. Um, with guys like Noah Rogers and Javante Vereen, who's at Havelock High School right down the road from where I live and things like that, that are going to rival schools like NC State and others like Duke that are doing it. Do you think there's a lot more pressure on North Carolina to succeed you know, in the 2023 class, or do you think because the reputation that it had the past few years that we're going to be kind of just fine as we're moving along into the 2023-2024 class? Well, I think you know, this year, in-state is not as strong as it has been. Really, well, last year wasn't very strong either, but before that, you know, that, that I guess it was the 2021 class was a historical class, and so there's been a drop-off. Last year, UNC was able to dip into Virginia, which had a very strong class, particularly in the Tidewater area. It yeah. was able to pull out a lot of guys out of there. Also, you know, um, Zach Rice was another guy that they were pulling. You know, Andre Green, we, we talked about um, those guys in Virginia. Um, this year, Virginia's not as, as strong also, so UNC is having to step into Georgia, step into Florida to try to pull some guys out. 
and that's not as easy as pulling guys out of your in-state territories and out of Virginia because of the competition in Georgia and Florida. So that's going to take a little bit more time. It's, it, it, it takes time from a standpoint of getting guys on campus and seeing where you're at with those guys. You have to offer a lot more. So you've seen UNC has offered a lot more guys in this class than they have in the, in the prior two. And so and people are getting frustrated because there's only one commitment. But as I said, things take time. And I think we'll have a better idea of where things sit with a lot of these guys, what this class could potentially look like heading into June. And then June will obviously be a big month to determine just what the makeup of this class ultimately is. Yeah. Um, so just kind of add on that real quick and then we'll go on the last question. Um, so there's a lot of noise, especially, you know, Josh Pately, Lake Kick and stuff like that. He's saying that North Carolina is one of those guys that can emerge to be a national championship contender, especially in the next few recruiting classes if everything goes as planned. Are you in the same mindset that now without the big expectations and all the pre-rankings and stuff like that now, Mac and, you know, Coach Longo has, you know, a little bit more leeway to kind of, you know, you know, get the team ready and stuff like that to be able to kind of compete, you know, for an ACC championship and possibly move into a playoff scenario. Well, there's definitely talent on the roster, particularly Absolutely. on defense, where the defense didn't play as well. It was so young last year. And so with an extra year, those guys are naturally going to be better. And um, I think the classes that Mac Brown – the thing I think, I think people forget is that the, the past couple seasons, with the exception of Hal, who kind of – who signed during that transition class, which I don't really count too much, the majority of those guys were Fedora's players. And so now Max slowly kind of um, in injecting some of his own players. And it's going to take some time for those guys to develop. And I mean, I think we're going to see some of that development this season and, and next season for sure. So yeah, I mean, there is definitely the potential for North Carolina to be pretty good. And, and the crazy thing is, is that it could be the defense that leads this, this program in the next couple of seasons, not the offense. Uh, and that's pretty cool because defense wins championships, whether you're in the NFL level or in the NCAA. All right, last question. The NIL has you know, made its way into the college scene as well. Uh, you're a guy that played college fantasy with me as well. Um, so with the stuff like NCAA, the football game coming back, the guys getting name, image, and likeness, so they get a little bit, you know, as well. The news of Nico, uh, who I can't pronounce his last name, but no more, <laughs> but he's gone to Tennessee, who's on a NIL type deal. Do you see, um, you know, fantasy football in general for the college scene kind of expand into an almost NFL type level of popularity. I know it might need a little bit more <laughs> exposure and things like that, but do you think it has the capability now with the NIL backing and the transfer portal and things like that to make it a little bit more interesting? Yeah, I think it's it's only going to help that. It, it's difficult. I mean, the NFL fantasy football is it's such a, it's such a crazy <laughs> level that it's difficult for any sport to reach that level, but I think you'll see college football um, raise higher because you don't have to worry so much about the name, image, likeness stuff being, you know, being some sort of you know court lawsuit sort of thing. Um, so you can see some more advertisements, some more benefits for the college students, and it become a little bit more acceptable. Also, these guys who are getting these name, image, likeness deals are are you know being spokesmen for different products. You see them more, and then that obviously kind of translates to being recognized. On the, on the fancy on the fancy football scene, so people right. will be more likely to kind of join in. Because I think the main thing with fancy football is that you have that player for that season. And I'm talking about the NFL. You know that who that player is before you drafted them. In college football, that might not necessarily be the case for the casual fan. Right. And then NIL will act will help that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So Don, I want to thank you for no coming problem. on to the podcast. Um, can you tell the guys where you're at on Twitter and where they can find you and just anything you got coming up as far as yeah, the I mean, things like that? Well, you can find everything on Inside Carolina. All my stuff is on, on Inside Carolina. But you can follow me on Twitter at Don Callahan IC. 
Um, but like I said, everything everything for me is on Twitter on the message boards. Uh, feel free to come on and chat. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm Brandon T. Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Of course, if you go to campus uh, campusacan.com, you can find all of our articles, videos, and things like that going on. Uh, thank you guys for listening in, and we appreciate Don for coming on. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace. All right, everyone, welcome back to the uh, the Future Freshman Podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest this time. Of course, this is Corey Smith from Pack Pride, uh, affiliated with 24-7 Sports. Corey Smith, welcome to the Future Freshman Podcast, buddy. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm glad you could join us, man. Uh, so for the listeners and the people that are going to be watching, uh, tell the you know the viewers and watchers what, what you kind of do there with Pack Pride and, you know, and uh, your like daily task and kind of what you focus on for the year for the most part. So I cover a little bit of everything. Um, you know, my main job is, is being, you know, the editor uh, of Pack Pride overall. So anything that goes through, uh, you know, to the site, I have to read over it, make sure it's there. Um, but I also cover, you know, football, basketball. I was telling you before, I'm currently, if you see all the red behind me, I'm actually at a uh, NC State baseball practice right now, getting ready to do a couple of interviews for some feature stories on that. So do a little bit of everything, you know, recruiting, uh, obviously, Michael Clark is more of our, our football recruiting guy, but uh, I do basketball recruiting and then I do um, football, you know, extensively when it comes to covering the team as well. Yep. So I wanted to reach out to you because you you have some fantasy takes, but of course, you always like you're always busy. And that's the cool thing to see on Twitter. You're like at football. And then the next thing you know, boom, you're right over to basketball talking about that over on the podcast. So uh so Corey here has done some NFL fantasy. He actually used to work for DraftKings that I just heard, you know, off the air as well. So he's dabbled in some college fantasy football as well. We might pull uh, Corey into some of the uh, the CFF stuff this year. We'll see how it goes. So it depends on his schedule and what he's able to do. But uh, Corey, uh, so let's, you know, start off with the, the inevitable. Let's start with the spring game because there's uh, some really good takeaways. And I know you had some stuff to say as far as an article, but from your standpoint, just watching and stuff like that, how do you think uh, the Wolfpack are looking in general as far as the team and how they're coming along and what you're seeing with the uh, the newer recruits kind of coming in, at least for this year, uh, kind of like an Allen at running back and things like that. What, what is your take here from the spring game and what what you like? Yeah, I mean, from the spring game, it's, you know, the biggest takeaway, and I've, I've talked about it multiple times, just the fact that Devin Leary, I mean, still looks every oh, bit part of, you know, being one of the best quarterbacks, not only in the ACC, but potentially in the country. I just feel like he's so kind of, you know, not talked about. Like, I don't – I mean, he's just so yeah. unheralded. Like, I mean, we've seen, you know, people on the ACC network talking about it because they get a chance to see him, you know, day mm-hmm. in and day out uh, and, and get a, a better chance of, you know, figuring out where he's at. Um, and I mean, some are you know being looked at as you know potential QB one in the ACC, and obviously you know guys like Tyler Van Dyke, and um, I know some you know still on the DJ Uyunglele train, and mm-hmm. you know obviously uh, you know the guy down at Louisville right now is pretty good too. Yeah, so Kevin good. Uh, yeah, so I mean, there's there's a lot of different people that you know can can kind of take that number one spot, and you know Devin Leary, uh, you know 26 of 34, 355 passing yards, three touchdowns. The one interception was on a, a little bit of an underthrown ball. Yeah. Um, great interception by Sean Brown, who's a guy that's been standing out. So you know those are that was the biggest takeaway I had from it. But you know if you're talking about guys that that you want to know about going into the season. Um, you know, obviously the veterans, you know, as far as the, the wide receivers are concerned, uh, Devin Carter and Thayer Thomas are back this season. Those are going to be guys that are going to be leaned on even more heavily this season. Um, but if you're looking for a breakout wide receiver, like Porter Rooks has it written all over him. Yeah, he's the guy like to me, yeah, he's the guy to me that has had that potential the last two years uh, since he's been with NC State. But 
really hasn't had a chance to shine. And I think now, you know, everything that we've heard and we got to see it a little bit in the spring game is Thayer Thomas is going to probably be flexed a little bit more to the outside. So he's probably going to take over a little bit more of that Devin Carter role. Devin Carter goes and see the Mecca Mezzi role. And now that leaves Porter Rooks as the guy at the slot receiver. And, and when I look at when I watched him this past week, you know, he caught the one touchdown. Only, I think, three receptions for, like, 19 yards or something like that. But they right. just – I mean, it wasn't really – or two receptions for 19 yards. It wasn't a ton, you know, of, of really you know, targeting in on one guy in particular. There was a bunch of different guys that, that got to eat. I think out of those 26 receptions, it was, like, 10 of them, uh, 10 different guys. So, yeah. uh, we didn't really see, you know, anybody really emerge to that spot. But, yeah, I mean, between him, um, Anthony Smith is another guy that I think has a really good shot of being, you know, a big piece to the puzzle when it comes to the wide receiver – uh, rotation that we'll see this year. Um, and then one guy that I wouldn't count out is Keon Lassane too. Like he's not, he's, he's a guy that kind of came on late in the season. And I think he has a chance to take over that kind of secondary slot receiver position that you saw Porter Rooks have last year. So, you know, how much does he kind of fight for that spot and how much does he get in there? Um, we saw him play really well in this past week and he has really good chemistry with Devin Leary. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him step up as far as the younger guys are concerned. Uh, you know, everybody in that running back room right now is just fighting for snaps because yeah. you lose out of the night. You lose Ricky Person from last year. Mm-hmm. While I know a lot of people are kind of comparing it to the UNC situation of the year prior. A little bit. Those guys, those guys were not nearly as productive uh, during their, their final year as, you know, guys like uh, Javante and Michael Carter-Williams. Like those two, those two were – or Michael Carter, sorry, I keep going. I don't know why I said Michael Carter-Williams. Um, yeah, it's all good. Those two, you know, both rushing for over 1,000 yards. You know, NC State's running game really struggled at the end of last year, and I think, uh, you know, because they now have guys that are better pass catchers out of the backfield mm-hmm. in uh, Jordan Houston and Demi Sumo and Michael Carter, who – I mean, Michael Carter, Michael Allen, mm-hmm. uh, who – Michael Allen this past year was used almost exclusively uh, by Rose High School as a wide receiver because they just wanted to get the ball in his hands. So between those three guys, you've got three really good pass catchers and they really want to get the ball uh, in Devin Leary's hands. Let him, you know, make the most of his opportunities. And when you put all three of those guys together, uh, you've got a really good backfield that can not only run the ball pretty well, uh, but also you have to be able to, to cover them. So linebackers have to be able to be ready for that as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we'll backtrack a little bit. So, uh, you know, we saw your take, you know, you're there at the uh, pro day. So Amizi and a few others there, but the scouts were really loving what they saw out of Devin Leary. And I keep telling people that you got to give Devin Leary his flowers. I know that's like a wrestling reference, but it's like, give the man the credit that he is deserving. Uh, just because I, I think he's such a well-rounded quarterback and he's excelled every single year that he's played. Um you know, a lot of people are like, Will Levis will be like QB3 behind C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. I honestly think Devin Leary has got what it takes to be the QB3. He might, you know, transcend if he keeps it going. It's going to be hard to beat out a guy like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, you know, these guys with Heisman contention. But Devin Leary could surprise a lot of people. And, and in fantasy, they're like, you know, they took him like the 30th quarterback. Well, that's starting to change now. So finally, people are starting to hear us, whether it's at campusacan.com where I'm at or some other websites that are really big in fantasy. They're like, hey, Devin Leary, this kid coming up from NC State, you should probably watch out for him. He might be somebody that might play at the next level. Um, and you were there firsthand. So uh, scout wise, you know, they love the deep ball. They love what the consistency they like, you know, for the most part, the accuracy of the Devin Lawrence able to bring. Uh, so um, when it comes to the running backs, we saw the Jordan Houston bust out a big run, was able to take off. I remember retweeting, you know, whether you're there at the spring game, like, hey, Jordan Houston's doing his thing with the ones. Uh, but we didn't see much pass catching. Do you think it was just a circumstance of the spring game that Houston didn't get a lot of looks as far as catching? And do you think that 
you know, like you were saying, do you think he still gets that opportunity? And do you see Sumo as uh, pretty much the, the Pearson type role here this year type situation? Yeah, I mean, when you when I look at the when I look at the backfield, I mean, this this past weekend, yeah, obviously they didn't throw the ball as much to the the running backs. Um, honestly, I mean, they really threw it to the tight ends a lot, and, yeah. and that's another position that I think you know we haven't got into that. I'll talk about the running backs, but you know, the tight ends are, are really probably the guys like Trent Penix and uh, Chris Tootle. Those might be guys that you need to look at, you know, as far as sleepers for you know if you're just playing an ACC league or you're playing you know, all across the country, like you want to be looking at those guys because uh, they were guys that really stepped up last year. Both of them, I think, had three touchdowns, but had, you know, some pretty good yardage. Um, and Trent mm-hmm. Penix really came on strong down the stretch last year. So he'll probably be, you know, the guy in that H-back role this year and, and get some good receptions. But, you know, when you look at the running backs, yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of the big reasons why they really throw it to them a lot this past weekend was because uh, they wanted to get them the reps, you know, running the ball. They wanted to get them – the opportunity. Also, they only played one half. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know both of them had a catch. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jordan Houston had like one catch for 17 yards or something like that. So, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty decent chunk yardage, especially when you think yeah. about the fact that he only had like, you know, six, seven carries. So that's not going to be your typical game basis. So I wouldn't really put much stock into, you know, what they did in the spring game. Right. Um, we'll see, you know, early on in the season. And I think, we'll get a better idea once they get to that ECU game. And, you know, maybe guys like that are still available uh, in fantasy because maybe they don't even get drafted. So right. you might want to find out, Hey, who's, who's really kind of, you know, coming to the forefront for this offense, you know, whether it's, if you're in a PPR league, maybe you want a guy like uh, Demi Sumo, who's maybe a better pass catcher once we get to that point. Uh, but Jordan Houston, I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting stock in anybody, I would say Jordan Houston right now is probably going to be RB one. Uh, and then, you know, maybe a guy like Demi Sumo is RB, you know, RB1A or RB1B, you know. Right. Um, so that's that's where I would put it at right now. Yeah. Um, so let's, you know, transition to the tight ends. Like and when it comes to fantasy, what we remember is, of course, the Jalen Samuels era of the tight end slash running back. And he was huge. So you could literally plug him at tight end. But often he ran RB. We saw Samuels then go you know, to Pittsburgh and actually was a running back, you know, designated there. Uh, and then we had Angeline, who was like actually really productive there at uh, NC State. So we're looking for NC State to come back into the fold there. Uh, and we'll transition to some of the recruits there. I know you guys, you know, talked about Tootle. And you talked about uh, the other player. Sorry, I forgot the name. I'll let Penix. You. Yeah, Penix is there. And I know Penix is coming on strong. We do have a great, uh, you know, incoming class, especially 2023, just signing Javante Farine, the four-star here out of Havelock High School, right down the road from me, 20 minutes down the road. So I get to see him often. Um, that that kid went for over 1,000 yards in the tight end position of Havelock High. And Coach Wooten, you know, I've, I've had a contact with him. The, the kid's an absolute monster. Uh, yeah. Do you see a guy like Vereen coming in and, you know, kind of lighting the world on fire. Do you think he kind of falls into the same role that NC State's had maybe in the past two or three years at the tight end position, or do you see that being a, a you know, focal point kind of moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I definitely see him fitting into H-back role once he gets NC State. Now, how quickly he emerges, I think, is going to depend heavily on who's still there. Because, right. you know, as of right now, if like if Trent Picks keeps emerging the way he does and he comes back for another year, mm-hmm. yeah, Vereen probably has to wait a year behind sure. him. Uh, if Chris Tootle comes back and, and gets better as a blocker this year, you know, maybe he emerges and has a bigger role at that true tight end position. So that really right. doesn't leave a lot of options for a guy like Vereen, uh, who's right around that, you know, six, four uh, kind of frame where he's not really, you know, a, a tall tight end, like a, like a Carrie Angeline. Um, but, you know, he has that playmaking ability, like you said, Jalen Samuels, Trent Penix. So, 
uh, I could see I could definitely see him having a role early on um, and then, you know, emerging into one of the better players on the team. I mean, you know, when you talk to Coach Wooten, all he says about his hands, like the kid has just ridiculous hands. He makes makes really tough catches. Um, and that's something that, you know, in the past, NC State has sometimes struggled with when it comes to the tight ends. You have guys that are playmakers, but it's like, how the hell do we get it in their hands? So you're hoping that, that they can continue to do that. Um, and I think really, you know, if you're looking at the tight end position right now and, you know, for the foreseeable future, at least for this year and possibly next year, like the guys you want to get, Chris Tootle um, and then Trent Penix. And we really saw, you know, Fred Sebro, um this past weekend uh, played really well. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot about him throughout camp, and obviously he's getting the opportunity right now. So that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be you know, a big role player this year, but getting a chance in spring camp with both Trent Penix, with Trent Penix being out, Chris Tootle uh, sitting out for the spring game, and I heard you know the end of spring camp, uh, you know that him getting a chance might help him uh, in the future as well. Yeah. Um, so let's go into uh, some of the recruiting stuff because I know you, you know you're kind of there both basketball and football basically because you cover everything because you're the editor. Yeah. Uh, but so, you know, this past year, you guys ranked 64th overall in the nation, which is still top 100, pretty good. But this coming year, the 2023 class, which as a podcast, you know, eventually our 2022, we move off of that. We start talking about the Arch Mannings and all these guys in the 2023 class coming up here soon. Uh, a guy on the radar is, uh, I believe, Noah Rogers, who's the four-star wide receiver. Uh, right now, Crystal Ball, you know, to you guys at NC State, uh, that would be a great get. Um, and I know uh, Javante, uh, of course, Vereen we're talking about, has said he's trying to, you know, help be a recruit guy and, you know, try to get out there and get Rodgers on the team and a few others. Uh, and then there's, I believe, another wide receiver. I don't remember the name, but he's a kid, I think, locally around this area as well um, that's doing really great, too. Um, so is he State starting to stack on, you know, the depth? We already see, you know, a guy like Brooks. We got, you know, we already got Carter and we got Thayer, you know. So you guys are adding on to there as well. Uh, do you guys think you could crack, you know, the top 20, especially with the addition of Rodgers and stuff like that and kind of get in there nationally? Uh, you know, of course – Guys right on the street, Chapel Hill went, you know, 10th overall in the, in the recruiting class. You guys got like, you know, uh, a Wake Forest who, you know, picks up guys and stuff like that as well. Do you think uh, NC State has a really good contention with this upcoming two recruiting classes to really, uh, you know, go for it? Because right now you guys, you know, I think personally have a shot at the ACC championship. I, I personally do. And that's, you know, coming from a guy that cheers for the Tar Heels. So it is what it is. But, right, you know, you guys – are looking really, really good, and you're coming on strong. Uh, what do you think about this 2023 class, and you know how could it affect the uh, the Wolfpack moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a big class for them because you know where this this team was built, the foundation of it was in the 2019 and 2020 classes. You know, for NC State or 2018, 2019 classes. You know, they they grabbed a bunch of guys in those classes and and were able to kind of build this foundation. Uh, whether it was guys like Devin Leary. Um, or, you know, obviously the wide receivers they have now, Devin Carter, um, you think about the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, Thayer Thomas being a, a walk on from that class, yeah, too. So amazing. You know, all those guys were built on that foundation. Uh, and that's what they're trying to do with this class. And, you know, tried tried to do it last year with last year with that class. But, you know, the success came a little bit late. You know, right. you, you know, a team like UNC heats up during the summer and grabs a bunch right. of kids, you know, in that class and then has a down year, but you know, those kids stick around. They want to stay. And right. that's what that's what you kind of hope for for NC State is you're coming off a really successful year. You build upon that with a good class this year. And then if you can continue, if you can get to 10 wins this year, you can get to an ACC championship game, you build it for the following year. And that's what UNC was able to do based off of you know that second to last year under Sam Howell. And now it's all right, now we got to refresh and, and get back into it. So right. 
Um, but yeah, for state, when I look at the class, I mean, you mentioned Noah Rogers. Yeah, obviously a local kid. Rollsville, um, initially UNC was on him really hard, but uh, he hasn't really talked a ton about them recently. His, his mm-hmm. brother is a walk-on there. Uh, but for NC State, it really sounds like, you know, the biggest competition right now is Ohio State. Uh, they're looking at like Penn State, Clemson, and Florida State are some teams that are still in on him. Um, so I think, you know, if, if they can get a player like that, a top, you know, 75 player, uh, I mean, that's huge. You know, you're, you're talking about one of the best wide receivers in the entire country, yeah. the best player right now in the state of North Carolina. That would be huge. And then I think the other one you you might have been alluding to is either Nathan Leacock or Kevin Conception. Leacock, that's it. Yeah, Nathan Leacock is kind of one of these guys that's like a, you know, right now probably not as you know as polished as a guy like Noah Rogers or even Kevin Conception, but he has a chance to have one of the highest ceilings in the entire state of North Carolina. Like mm-hmm. that's why a lot of teams are suddenly getting on him right now is because yeah. of how good of a prospect he looks like. And if he adds a little bit more of that speed element to his game, which is something he's working on a lot this offseason, he's actually been mm-hmm. working with a former wide receiver, TJ Graham uh, out of NC state. So, and a, a guy that was a track star. So He's been working with him and trying to build upon that. So Nathan Leacock would be one. Kevin Conception's another slot receiver they've been looking at really hard um, and trying to get, you know, both them and UNC, I think, is, you know, are two teams that have been really going after him hard recently. Um, and then, you know, if I'm looking at the if I'm looking at the running back position, I mean, you know, Dalen Smothers is another guy that yep. you know a lot of teams across the country have been going after. He's been taking several, you know, several visits, not official visits, but you know, FSU and Penn State are two of the teams that have been looking at him really hard too. So, uh, you know, those are those are the spots that that you're looking to add. And I mean, you know, you mentioned if we're if we're not talking about you know just the uh, you know just those offensive weapons. I mean, at the offensive line, they've already added Darian Rivers, a guy that I think has a chance to by the end of it be a four star player, six foot six, two hundred fifty five pounds for an offensive lineman. He has a chance to keep growing and and eventually. You know, get himself inside of the you know the top two four seven potentially down the line, um, and then you know there's other guys they're looking at you know on the offensive defensive side of the ball. But uh, Sam Pendleton happens to be one of the best players you know in the country when it comes to the offensive line. So uh, if they're able to add guys like that, uh, that really could push them inside the top twenty five, possibly top twenty, and and be another you know foundation class for this team. Absolutely. Um, do you by chance? Uh, you know, look at Bill Connolly stuff, stuff like that, the SP, SP yeah. plus type stuff. So NC State ranked really, really high of returning players. And that's something at the college fantasy level that we look at. Bill Connolly, I know he's just doing it for college purposes in general, just like Phil still puts out his magazine. It's like the Bible to us, right? So we look at yeah. depth charts and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's cool to see you know, a team like NC State really just get all their players back. And kind of, that brings me into my next segue is that they have all the pieces and Devin Leary's there. But we're looking to see who might be the heir apparent. So, you know, we're looking at over at Carolina, Drake May versus Jacoby Criswell. Uh, whoever wins, the other one might transfer out. Who's uh, to say they might not go right down the street to Raleigh? Because, I, you know, there's a need. You know, Larry's got that guy. But you have an MJ Morris. You have a few others there. Who do you think might grab the bull by its horns and kind of run with the twos and eventually become that heir apparent to Devin Leary? Who, what's your thoughts on the quarterback position kind of moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, everything we've heard out of spring so far has been that Ben Finley has, you know, looked really, really good. Obviously, they had a guy in Aaron McLaughlin. He transfers out. He went to Jacksonville State. You know, that had really, you know, from what we heard, had very little to do with NC State in general. It was just his mindset, wanted to go somewhere where he had a chance to produce and then potentially earn himself a spot and and go on to be a starter at the next level. Ben Finley uh, has been somebody that, you know, for the last three years at NC State has slowly – you know, kind of gotten better. 
and we really got a chance to see that, you know, in the spring game. Numbers weren't great, but he was also playing on a white team that had right. very little offensive line help in front of him, yeah. playing against the defensive line that, you know, even the second-team defensive line for NC State – uh, has a chance to be one of the best in the ACC. So yeah. um, they have a lot of talent there. Um, so he was he was struggling a little bit <laughs> against the first team yeah. early on. And, again, with first team wide – or, you know, third team, fourth team wide receivers he's throwing to. So yeah. um, we saw him really look a lot better in the second half, threw for two touchdowns, uh, two pretty big touchdowns too. Uh, so, you know, everything we've heard out of, out of camp has been that he's looked really good. N.J. Morris, another promising prospect uh, that you talked about. Uh, and then, you know, Lex Thomas is a guy that will come in next year, too. He's expected yep. to be an early enrollee, you know, a guy that as of right now is around six foot tall. You know, he's not really, you know, the, the biggest uh, quarterback, but you know, I mean, he's got an arm. Like the kid, I mean, the kid yeah. can make every throw. He's doing well. They lead 11 from what I saw. As far as reports, he's he's doing fairly well at yeah, that exactly. level. So that's awesome. He was one of the top six. He was one of the top six guys at Elite 11, um, the Columbus Regional recently. So, um, has a chance to you know move his stock up, and once he gets NC State, he'll come in like I said early January next year, uh, and and be a part of that you know that quarterback battle if Devin Leary does leave after this year. Devin Leary does still have another year left, so we'll see. Yes, yeah. I think ultimately he decides to go to the NFL. Um, yeah, the stock's looking good for Leary. Yeah, I would say so. So, um, but if I had to put a handicap on it right now, I mean, I would probably still say Ben Finley. Okay. Uh, because, you know, he has stuck around for three years. He has been a guy that's been in the yeah. system. He knows Tim Beck's system inside and out. Uh, the last time that we really got a chance to see him in extended snaps was in 2020 uh, after, you know, he was kind of thrust into action because Devin Leary mm-hmm. got injured the previous week. And he's playing against UNC uh, in the, you know, early in the, sec- or early in the uh, second quarter and, you know, didn't know the playbook. By that right. point, really, you know, we talked to him afterwards. He's like, I just didn't know all the plays. That's why they took him back out. Man. He had all the arm talent. I mean, made a throw that should have been a touchdown against UNC, uh, and it gets bobbled and intercepted off the hands of Chris Tootle, I believe, at the time. So uh, this is a chance for for him to really kind of emerge and and be, take the reins of that QB2 right now and eventually, you know, QB1 down the stretch, down, you know, over the next few years. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, I'll give you one more question. We'll get you out of here so you can get okay. some baseball. Uh, so with the NIL in place and you come from DraftKings as, you know, previously employment, we kind of talked about that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're familiar with fantasy football. Of course, NFL is such a huge thing and there's plenty of money and commercial and stuff behind it. Do you think with the NIL, the return of the NCAA football game, name, image and likeness, so these guys will actually get some money for being in the video game, things like that. Do you believe the hype finally transcends college Football. I mean, DFS is already helping with DraftKings and FanDuel. Do I, I'll throw this in there. Do you remember when FanDuel tried to do it before it was actually like not allowed, and then they had to take college down? Do you remember doing that? Yeah, it was yeah. like a like short thing, like two months, and then boom, FanDuel was just like, nope, we don't got college anymore. Uh, my bad. I was like, man, I I'm trying to play yeah. Marquise Williams. What are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I mean, with that kind of emerging, do you think that college fantasy football, especially with you know the hype behind college and the loyalty that it has, do you ever think that it can get to the level that NFL is? And do you think this is a start with NIL in place? I definitely do. Um, I think the only issue that the NCAA has, and you know, I mean, college football has, and college basketball in general, like any college sport, is the fact that you just have such a short shelf life on these players. Right. So it does. I mean, the one benefit I will say is that it does create this, you know, more of an unknown going into a regular season. So mm-hmm. and I think it I think it does create more of like a, hey, I would much rather play DFS 
in in fan in college than mm-hmm. I would you know play uh, actual full season in college. Right. So I think it does have a chance to you know as college football gets better at, at bigger college basketball everything across the board. I think you have a chance to see you know that daily become bigger because of the fact that you just you have so much unknown. So it's like you're you're drafting guys all based off of you know little to no knowledge. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe one year, maybe one full year, whereas, on, you know, in NFL, you're looking at like, I mean, we're talking about, you know, guys that have been there for six, seven years. Hell, in the right. case of Aaron Rodgers, been there for over a decade. So, it's like, right. you're not looking at the same, you know, the same background on these guys. So, I think that's why, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we'll eventually see, especially DFS, get uh, get nearly as big as, as NFL and, and maybe, you know, MLB and some other places like that. Yeah, for sure. I still, you know, just – to the slightly defend the, the redraft or like just the normal season where you're not doing like a dynasty. Like we, we can yeah. play dynasty because you can still get two, three years if you're lucky. Sometimes you might get the full four years out of a player in college, but you know, at least in dynasty and NFL, you can, you know, I could sit on Russell Wilson for like five plus years and be good, you know, that type of situation. So it is a little different, but the redraft does help because it's like a, you know, cycling system. You only have to draft them once. And the cool thing about college is that the waiver wires is galore because some guy out of nowhere just shows up. And that's probably the coolest thing about college fantasy football versus probably the NFL where waiver wire is a little bit thinner and you're having to spin up all your fab and stuff like that. So that's where DFS is cool because you could just play on the week. You can look at the matchup like, oh, yeah, uh, NC State's playing Akron. Let me go ahead and slide Devin Lee or Rowling in basically and kind of do it, stuff like that. So I definitely can understand for sure. But yeah, I do think it's going to grow in general as a whole. And then that's just going to open up the more doors as well. Uh, and here at campusdecant.com, it's actually a format where it's like you can play college and NFL at the same time. And then as yeah. they graduate, they move over to your NFL roster. So now guys that are just, you know, even more diehards than even I was to just college fantasy football can actually play college and NFL. So it's pretty cool. The new formats that are coming out and, you know, being able to kind of do that as well. Uh, Corey, I want to thank you for coming on to the show, man. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? I want to give you the floor to, you know, anyone that you can direct as far as the Twitter handle, pack pride, anything you want to support, man, go ahead. Yeah. If you want to follow me, it's at our Corey Smith at R C O R Y no E. Uh, as you see at the bottom, I'm sure, but uh, at our Corey Smith and obviously for Pack Pride, any of our uh, handles, it's at Pack Pride on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, any of those. Oh, we don't do TikTok. Sorry. I just I'm not into it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can follow us at any, at any of those. And then obviously packpride.com uh, to check out all of the, you know, as you said, the spring game takeaways and all of our uh, content that we have up there every single day. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, I'm Brandon T. Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Of course, you can visit all of our work at campuscant.com. Of course, the Future Freshman podcast drops every Friday morning at 6 a.m. So make sure you listen out. Uh, Corey, thanks again for being on and we will see you next time. Peace. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Future Freshman podcast. If you guys enjoyed those interviews and welcome to the Big Fish Small Pond segment. Before we get started, just want to do some quick housekeeping. Uh, one, make sure you go into campusdecan.com. Make sure you're checking out the website, all the new articles that are dropping, regardless if it's stock up, step down, anything to do with RBU articles that are coming out, the transfer portal uh, articles that are coming out as well. Also, I highly suggest uh, check out the different subscriptions that you have. My favorite being the NIL tier, of course, because you get access to everything as far as any of the guides that are dropping as well as you know, access to us on Discord as well as being able to kind of check out all the tools that we have at your disposal to kind of help you out for your C2C, CFF, and Debbie League. So please go check that out as well. Um, I do want to give a shout out to uh, 
one of the new people that are collaborating with us, and that is CFB Winning Edge. Of course, that's Nicholas Ian Allen. You can find him over at Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. Um, I highly advise you to go check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. He has probably the most accurate and precise depth, uh, depth charts for all of the NCAA, so I highly recommend that. Uh, we'll be using his stuff kind of going forward as far as a partnership, as far as depth charts, so I think it'll be a little bit more accurate. I wanted to bring you guys better depth charts and what he's seeing and the rankings and stuff like that so having him at uh you know to help us out here on the podcast is big so thank you once again nick uh nick for helping us out and once again please go check out his patreon at patreon.com slash cfb winning edge please go check it out even for a few dollars you can have access to the same depth charts that we do here over at c2c so please go check that out all right so let's talk about our big fish small pond for this week, and that is one, DeAndre Coleman. He is a three-star prospect, 24-7 sports grade, has him at 0.8748. So he's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's the 83rd overall wide receiver in the 22 class. So some of the accolades that he had, he did uh, get to attend the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. He also played basketball, competed in track. So once again, we have a guy that's just a pure athlete. Uh, he ran an 11.42, 100-yard, and a 23.55, 200-yard as a junior. Qualified for the uh, Alabama State Track and Field Championships. And he uh, played discus. He also jumped uh, a 5.6. So, um, you know, for going back to previous episodes, something that Mitch brings up, if this guy does all this type of stuff in the track, then he's got the talent and he's got the tangibles to kind of get it done. So here's something that I wanted to add uh, moving forward is that uh, DeAndre Coleman got offers from a lot of P5 schools, not just G5. So some of these guys are Florida State, of course, Kansas, Maryland, Penn State, South Carolina with all those big wide receivers kind of moving, Virginia and West Virginia. So he was not just looked at as G5 schools like East Carolina or Georgia State, but also um, he got these offers from the P5 and he decided to choose Coastal Carolina, which I think is pretty important. So Per the depth chart, per CFB winning guys is Patreon. Uh, of course, we have Sam Pickney, who has been uh, transferred from Georgia State, been pretty productive over the past two seasons. He is likely the wide receiver one. Uh, he's also 6'4", so he's a huge threat on there. We do have Aaron Bedgood, who's a senior. He's a bit of a you know a hybrid between RB and wide receiver. The junior Tyson Mobley, um, and also Dion Fountain, who's also a junior. So some of the stuff that I wanted to write up and bring to you guys' attention to check out is that other than Pickney, who's 24-7 composite of uh, 0.8315, no one else is closest to DeAndre Coleman's uh, rating and is coming in at CCU's highest-rated wide receiver uh, on the roster to date. He will likely have to bulk up 200 pounds, as you see in the picture, a little bit more lengthy, starting to build some muscle, but being at CCU, that should help out quite a bit as well. Um, but if he keeps that and keeps the speed that he's already had through his track and field days and on basketball, it's very possible he could easily overtake Mobley and Fountain, who's only started two games total uh, between the two so far. And Bedgood, who's uh, the hybrid that we talked about, has only started one game. So these guys don't have a lot of you know game uh, management or game time frame in particular. So I feel like DeAndre Coleman, is actually you know pretty close to that of um having the same type of pedigree and things like that though where he could kind of come in so i think having sam pickney at six four and playing on one side and then bringing in a guy like deandre coleman who's playing at six two and bulking up as well is great for one grayson mccall um for the season on there so it keeps his production up but then we also could see a decent wide receiver too come in the fold early of course remember the guys like javon highly isaiah likely um, I'm pretty sure they're going to use their, their tight end spot too. And I'm big on Braden Bennett. He's probably one of my favorites as far as the guys that are, um, now getting the shot 
at uh, the first RB1 spot for sure. So Braden Benton's definitely already on the radar. But Pigney is probably wide receiver one. But I do like DeAndre Coleman. I think he's going to possibly partake uh, this year and start on there as well. Um, you know, since he's so far down the, you know, the thing, it, you could probably catch him in pretty later rounds of uh, freshman and supplemental uh, drafts that you're going to have. If it's just freshman, easily, um, you know, you can catch him the back end, probably fifth or sixth round. You're not getting a lot of buzz on him right now. I'm just now kind of bringing this to people's attention. But DeAndre Coleman is one of those sleeper guys that remind me of a guy that could come in a wide receiver too. Nothing like the uh, the the. the the beast that is known as Matthew Golden, who, you know, I brought, you know, day one to the Big Fish Small Pond. But DeAndre Coleman's a guy I am excited about because of the opportunity that is not far behind the upperclassmen and already has a leg up as far as talent, uh, pedigree, and then the tangibles to get it done. So two red zone threats, maybe Pickney and Coleman. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to so definitely uh, look into that and uh, check it out. Once again, I want to thank everyone uh, as far as Don Callahan and uh, for Corey uh, to come on and do those interviews. Uh, and once again, thank you guys for listening in. I hope this was uh, a great episode. If you guys like this one, let me know, um, you know, drop some reviews some ratings and stuff like that. Leave me some comments down on YouTube. If you're really liking this format of interview interviews, I'll see if I can do some more and reach out to some of the other universities, especially in my area of North Carolina. So if I can do East Carolina, I can do, you know, things like coastal, things like that. If I can get that rolling, if you guys would be interested, let me know in the comments below and then I'll see if I can make that happen for you guys. But until then, uh, I want to say thank you guys for listening in and we hope to see you guys next week. Peace.